Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Dungeon Podcast, your one-stop destination for all things nerd-related. I'm your host, Dylan. Now, before we get started on today's topic, I would like to address some nerd news. Now, this news is actually very serious and will um, be treated as seriously as it is. Now, Justin Rowland, the uh, co-creator of Rick and Morty and the founder of Squance Games, um, has recently been charged with domestic abuse and false imprisonment. Now, the false imprisonment is not of him, but of his girlfriend, who he domestically abused. He basically made it so that if he, if she left him, she would have no money, no car, no house, nothing. She'd just live on the street. And that is terrible. And while doing that, domestically abused her. Now, of course, uh, Adult Swim and Squatch Games saw this and have completely cut ties with him, meaning that he will no longer voice the characters of Rick and Morty and all the other characters of that show and will no longer be the head writer for that show. Squanch Games has taken him out after his most recent game, High on Life, was the number one game on Xbox for several months. Now, this is actually quite serious. I've been a fan of Rick and Morty for a long time, and um, I've kind of actually grew tired of Justin Rowland's style of comedy. For those who don't know what his style of comedy is, his style of comedy is basically making fun of a popular thing and then pointing to the fourth wall. Let me give you an example. In... A scene in his video game, High on Life. So High on Life is a game where basically aliens invade, you know, world, and it's not like an alien world, kind of. Kind of like an alien civilization. And you have talking guns. that Like, talking guns that are just like Justin Rowland's characters, basically. So, in the opening thing, if you pause the game and unpause it in the middle of a firefight, the gun will just, like, cuss you out. It'd be like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you... Why are you pausing during a gunfight? Are you mad, man? Look at this idiot here. Can't do a gunfight. Wow, you have to take a break there, Charlie. Like, it's it's stuff like that. And that stuff's, like, a, like you know, it's kind of fun. You know, it's a cool little detail. But that's what the whole game is. The whole game is just, like, breaking the fourth wall that it's a video game. And honestly, I mean, that's cool. It hasn't really been done. But Rick and Morty, when it came out in 2013, was so original. A TV show that basically poked fun at the fourth wall a lot in an animated format. But now it just grew tiresome with shows like Velma, which I'll get into in a later episode, basically just, you know, taking the formula and making a bad name for Rick and Morty. Now, just from Roland's basically taking over a lot of it, and now that he's gone, we're going to have to find, everyone's going to have to find new voice actors, new writers, and it's going to be uh, weird, but I'm glad that he is charged with this and that um, I really hope that whoever was domestically abused and false imprisoned by Justin Rowland, uh, gets the help they need and um, comes out of this, you know, um, all right. You know, doesn't have any trauma behind it or anything like that. Now, um, on a much lighter note, today's episode is about the behind the scenes of The Wizard of Oz and the horrors that ensued behind it. Now, The Wizard of Oz is by no doubt one of the most iconic movies in history. It is actually uh, from the Library of Congress, it is the most watched film in history of every the probably couple hundred million movies that have been released throughout history. It is the most watched one. That's all. That's just crazy. It is also one of the only movies to come out of the 30s that is still one like watched by kids today, still referenced and everyone knows what it's from. It's just it's so iconic and it's it's real I actually like it. I haven't watched it in a couple years, but I, you know, it's really interesting honestly to me. Um and I, um, I wanted to find more stuff about it. So what I did was I did some research. And I found out about the horrors that went behind here. 
Now, there's some YouTube videos on it, but I wanted to give my own personal take. You know, it's, it's going to be kind of serious, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have some fun with it. You know, we're going to have some snapback, snapback, you know, kind of comedy, you know. Um, not overly serious, just, you know, occasionally some one-liners in there to lighten the mood because we're going to get into some pretty serious topics here. I mean, it is terrible, all the stuff that happened. All right. I had to take a deep breath so I can have a calm voice for this. Now, it all begins in the 1930s. Now, the 1930s, of course, had the Great Depression. And, you know, the world was basically, the United States was basically just in ruin. You know, from the Great Depression, stock market crash, everything is just terrible there. Um, no one really has money for food or anything, or, like, has money for food but nothing else, you know. Businesses are being shut down. Houses are being repossessed. So people escape to the cinema to forget for a couple hours the misery of the real world. It is estimated, and this isn't like, a, oh, some people went there. It is estimated that one half of the U.S. population in the 1930s went to the theater a week. Think about that. 50% of the U.S. population at, went to the theater at least once during the week. And to put that into perspective, today it's one-tenth of the U.S. population. Here it's 50. That's, that, that's just crazy to think about, honestly. And, you know, at this time, then Hollywood was booming because of the business. And there was no studio bigger than MGM. Now, MGM, you may not know that much, kind of uh, fallen out of, you know, the limelight. MGM is responsible for creating uh, Tom and Jerry. It's one of the most notable things for you young and kids. Another thing is they created the James Bond movies. They took the books and they created the movies. Now, I love James Bond as a kid. I love Tom and Jerry. I love everything. I love James Bond as a kid. I love everything. You know, I love everything. Every I'm saying I love everything a lot. Wow. I, I'm just kind of astounded by all this stuff, so I'm sorry if I repeat myself a couple times. Um... So basically, they were the, they were just the top dog. I mean, at the time in the '30s, MGM had one third of all the Oscar nominations in history. One third of all the Oscar nominations in Oscar history were from MGM movies. They were the high. They they had always had the highest grossing movie, and they were the movie that if you were in and you started, you were an instant overnight star. And they were just cranking out big movie, big movie. But there was a stop in 1938 when the release of Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves came out. Now, th- now to put into perspective, many people don't know how big this movie was at the time. This was the first ever theatrically released animated movie, like widespread. It was the first ever color cartoon theatrically ever released. It was the highest grossing movie of that year and was nominated for Best Picture. It is crazy how big this movie was. It is like, there's no movie to come close to it. Any Marvel movie that comes out will not be close to the level of craziest movie there. And it showed a world of wonder and color and had so much care. And it was the first time ever that IGM, that, sorry, MGM was not the f- highest grossing film of that year. And they saw why it was so popular and it was the world of wonder. So what they did was they bought the rights to the popular children's series, children's book, the Wizard of Oz. And then hell begins. The filming for Wizard of Oz began in October of 1938 and ended in March of 1939. A pretty short production run, honestly, for filming um, a movie of this scale and magnitude. Now, there are many reasons why The Wizard of Oz is so iconic, the story, the everything. But one of the main things was that it was one of the first ever movies to take advantage of Technicolor. 
Now, it was not, despite popular conception, The Wizard of Oz was not the first ever movie to be in color. It was, however, the, one of the first ever movies to use color to their advantage. They used the color to make the world pop and be wonderful. And you could see it in there with the beautifully painted backgrounds, all the flowers are crazy colors, all the munchkins have, you know, like crazy colored coats. It's, they really took advantage of it. But there was a problem with Technicolor. You see, how Technicolor works is, I actually, I, um, I took a film class last year, so I, underst- I learned how Technicolor works. Basically what they do is, it, ta- it, took light exp- it took the exposure of light in a shot and used it to break apart the colors into three main ones. Red, blue, and yellow. And then what it would do is, depending on the shade, it would basically mix it. Mix the colors to make that shade. Now, this means that actually a lot of um, popular like popular costumes seen on color at the time were not actually that color. A main example is the Superman costume for the 1930s Superman um, car- uh, TV show, live-action TV show. Now, Superman's the iconic, you know, red and blue, you know, but the suit was actually dark blue on the bottom and, br- and black and gray in the front. This was because it made the colors look more like red and blue. So they didn't have that problem, but there was a problem with the lighting part of it. Because of the amount of complex colors in this movie, it had to have extreme amounts of lighting. Every single set from the on the four corners on the top were covered in lights. The entirety circled the square so much. But the problem was was that light uh, lights weren't lights produced heat basically, you know, at the time. And they still kind of do now, but they produced a lot of heat back then. This made the every single set have the average heat of 100 degrees Fahrenheit, or as we call it, you know, nowadays, a Florida winter. Um, imagine that. So imagine you imagine being the actors here, okay? Now, the production run was for 22 weeks, six days a week, from 4.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. You are spending over 12 hours on a 100-degree set doing scenes over and over and over again. And there's going to become some problems. But the worst part of this thing is about the costumes and the complexity of all the costumes making it even harder for all the characters. Now, let's start with Scarecrow. Now, Scarecrow actually got off the easiest of the costumes. So, Scarecrow was ra- uh, portrayed by Ray Boulder, a very good actor, actually. I've seen him in some other uh, comedic sh- movies from that time. He was a very good actor, very good, very talented. Got some good timing with him. So, what happened was um, he would show up... Um, and basically sit in a chair for one hour as they glued the latex scarecrow mask to his face. And that's not like applied like a rubbing alcohol or something like that to make it stick. They used real glue, Broadway glue. Not like the Broadway glue now. They used like real tough glue, like a glue factory, to glue it onto his face. And he would have to slowly peel it off at the end of the day. So for over 12 hours, he sat with a thing glued, latex glued to his face. One problem with also the latex is that his pores were trapped under there, making him unable to sweat. Because the pores cannot escape the sweat, so they just store it in there. This made his body heat dangerously hot. Because the sweat could not release, you know, the heat through the sweat, basically. as That's not how it works, but you know that, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because they couldn't release sweat, he, his body heat was extremely high and dangerous. But that is sadly, like, not the worst. There were several stagehands who had to seek medical attention due to the heat, you know, also sadly not the worst. One of the worst was Tin Man. 
now Tin Man, um, was originally prepa- uh, portrayed by Buddy Eason. He portrayed the Tin Man for nine days before being hospitalized with, sev- with a severe reaction to the Tin Man's makeup. The Tin Man's makeup, basically how they made him, you know, light, you know, colorful silver, was that they used aluminum powder. They took aluminum and crushed it into a powder and rubbed it onto his face. Now, anyone with any idea of aluminum knows that aluminum is pretty dangerous for the skin when applied to it. But, you know, they, by the way, they were very well knowledgeable about that at the time. But it, you know, looked good in color, you know. Oh, man. Now, because of this, sadly, Buddy was hospitalized after nine days and um, it infected his lungs. It basically coated his lungs in aluminum powder. And um, he uh, survived, goodly, but his lungs were almost permanently damaged. And the worst part of this was they fired him afterwards. Nine days, hospital for two weeks, has permanent lung damage. They fired him. And the worst part was didn't get any credit in the, in the credits for plant training for nine days, and he didn't even get paid. Didn't get paid. It's the worst, you know. Now, Jack Harley took the role of the Tin Man afterwards, obviously not heeding the warnings. Another problem was that the suit was extremely stiff. Your knees could not bend in the suit because they basically just took metal, wrapped it around in a circle, and it could not bend. Now, they were filming for, like I said, over 12 hours. You cannot sit for over 12 hours. So what they made was they basically took a wooden plank and adjusted it to roughly, from what I'm looking at in these images here, I'd say about 100 and maybe, I'd say ballpark 113 degrees, you know, enough that there's a slight tilt and relaxation. And he would just lean on that for about a little bit in between takes. (sighs) But sadly, it gets worse. Like, every single one's just going to get worse. And it's terrible. we got to talk about the lion. So, Burt Lore, who portrayed the lion... Um, also a great actor. I'm going to say everyone who's a great actor here, you know. He was great in a lot of things. Very good actor. Now, for those who don't know, actually, um, the lion costume was made from the skin of a real lion. They skinned a lion, and they made it into a suit, you know. Now, the lion's skin weighed 60 pounds. But with additional padding, it weighed 100 pounds. So Bert had to carry for over 12 hours, 100 pounds, in 100-degree sets. He would apparently be drenched in sweat within two minutes of putting on the suit and would have to take several breaks in between takes, take off the coat, and just feel like have normal heat. His prosthetic mask that he also wore for the lion costume made him unable to eat solid foods while wearing it. So they ground up his food into a liquid and fed it Fed it to him in a straw. Um, but they, um, after a couple weeks, he decided not to do this and decided to take an hour out of every day to take it off just so we could eat his lunch. Now, you may think that's bad. But we're about to have the worst here. Um, I guess second word. Actually, they're both tied for pretty bad. Um, Margaret Hamilton. Now, Margaret Hamilton is a very fine actress. Uh, she's probably, of all these people... Probably my favorite. She's been in a lot of really good movies. Uh, amazing singer. Amazing talent. And uh, she sadly passed away. But she is a amazing talent. 
So she played the Wicked Witch, um, you know, green skin. Now, how they got the green skin is um, they used copper paint. Sorry, copper powder. Copper powder, yep. Copper powder. So they ground up copper. It's green now because of, I guess, I guess that's sort of how it works. They, they add something else to it, but at its base, it's copper. Ground up copper. And applied it to her skin. You know, anyone with the slightest thing of copper, along with aluminum, is that it's dangerous when it's in a powder form and can seep into your pores on your skin. They knew it at the time, too. Didn't care. You know, got to get that green color. What are you going to do, you know? So she was unable to perform the most medial of tasks, actually, because of this greenness, because she couldn't touch anything because it would leave green marks all over whatever she touched. So she had to have stage hands help her do the most menial of tasks, including using the bathroom. That was, like, the one that she cited as the most odd. She had to have two people help her use the bathroom every time she had to. But the green pen actually gets worse because for several months after the production ended, it left a greenish tint in her skin. And not like a slight thing, a pretty severe one. And according to her, her child was terrified of her. Her child looked at her and would just kind of cry for a little while until she got used to it. And her child was like roughly a baby, I think, at the time. That's just, that, that is just, that is terrible. And um, it gets much worse for Margaret Hamilton. And it all begins on December 12th, 19, 1938. They're filming the munchkin scene. The opening munchkin scene. You know, you know the scene? We are the munchkins. You know, all that. And she appears, you know, big thing of smoke. Scene goes on. I'll get you and your little dog, too. And what she does in, in the movie, cloud of smoke and fire comes up, and she's gone. Now, they do one take. It works perfect. Everything is going great. Everything is going grand. But the director wants to do it one more time. Fine. You know, it's very common for directors to do multiple takes, even if the first take is good. Get different angles, maybe. Maybe try out some uh, different blocking. You know, it's perfectly normal. So no one really mounted. Now, how the stunt worked was that the smoke would come up. She would then go off stage real fast. And then the fire would come up. Sadly, a um, pyrotechnics manager was not paying attention and accidentally hit the fire button. No smoke. And the fire um, merged with the copper paint and uh, gave her second-degree burns um, on the right side of her face and her entire right hand. Now, for those who don't know, second-degree burns basically just causes the skin to dissipate. Now, she didn't have it on the face, but on her... On her hand, I believe she had third degree. Skin was gone. But the worst part of this is not that. It is that before she had to go to the hospital, she had to spend out. She had to spend a little while with the stagehands rubbing alcohol, uh, rubbing alcohol on her to get the green off of her skin. Because actually, she didn't have a skin at this point. So the copper paint was seeping through into veins, blood vessels, stuff like that. So they had to remove it pretty fast before they went to the hospital. Now, she was hospitalized for a couple, um, I believe, roughly a couple weeks. And when she comes, and when she came back, they decided that they had to do the scene where she is, um, when they're in the Emerald Kingdom, and she is on a broomstick spelling out, you know, give me Dorothy and that little dog, too. Um, and for those who don't know how the set, how it was done, how it basically worked was that they, she wasn't really in the sky, as you know, of course. That was actually a prop plane that they used. 
Uh, but how they did the shots of her on the broomstick was that they had her at a slight elevation, and they had her on a on like a on a jiv basically, and they would like shake it around and stuff like that. It wasn't too high up. I just want to point out, but it had to produce smoke off the back so that it looks like it's happening, you know. So how they uh, she refused to go anywhere near anything with pyrotechnics. So they had her stunt double do it. Okay, you know, common thing, but. Actor doesn't want to do it because of some probably maybe a fear, you know. It's very common in movies. So they had the stunt double do it. Now her stunt double gets up on there, does the scene, and it explodes. Now the stunt double is alive and is falling roughly about 10-ish feet and lands on the pavement. She is not dead. She is sad. She's sorry. Happily, happily still alive. But sadly, the entirety of her skin basically rubbed off on there. Not all of it, but a good chunk of it, and several broken bones. The way she landed, and um, the worst part of this is not is that, but also how much they paid her for that one stunt she did. Now. Stunt doubles now make a good amount of money due to unions and all that. At the time, for that one stunt and basically life-altering uh, uh, damages to her, she was paid by adjustment of inflation. That uh, Today, basically, what I mean is today, the money she was given is worth $835 for that, for basically just her life being ruined. Her arm never worked again. Her arm was permanently broken. Because the tendons in between there was snapped clean. The bone was still there, so it was still connected. But she could never use her arm again. Her career was done, too, because no one's going to hire a one-armed stunt double because they're supposed to look like the actors. Luckily, her husband was also a uh, famous, uh, kind of famous producer, so they were all right with money. But it's very sad what happened to her. And now um, we got to go on to the next one, which is Dorothy Hamill, the uh, person who played, um, you know, who played Dorothy. Haha. How funny. Now, Dorothy Hamill um, sad, was a child actress, uh, one of the most, you know, famous people at the time. Famous people in the entire world at that time. Amazingly talented, got nice music. But we're not going to, first we're going to talk about the stuff going behind the, behind the scenes with her. At a young age... She overheard, um, as you all know, child actors normally don't end up that well in life due to the amount of pressure and the fact that you will never amount to anything more than what you did as a kid. Um, she overheard a couple producers talking, uh, basically calling her, when describing her, saying that fat pig. Now, for those of you who don't know Dorothy Hamill, she is beyond that. Dorothy Hamill is probably one of the most attractive actresses out there. At the time, she was the most attractive one out there. And I see maybe if you put her up against the now, she was probably one of the most attractive ones now, honestly. She's gorgeous, you know? So she developed a severe eating disorder and all that. Another problem, though, was that because in the book, Dorothy is depicted as roughly an eight-year-old girl, you know, pre-puberty, basically, she had to wear a very extremely tight corset to um, get rid of her... <laughs> Mature figure is how they place it in this article. Mature figure, yes. 
Uh, this was excruciatingly painful. It rubbed down on her ribs and caused some damage to there while doing it. So what they would give her, they would give her uh, painkillers. Uh, roughly a couple months of taking painkillers every day, uh, she be she she got an addiction to them, and started uh, trying out other drugs. In 1969, she was found dead in London in her uh, bathroom. She was found by her husband. She was only 45 years old. It's terrible, and it's like that for hundreds of child actors now. Only a few escape it, really. Um, but in uh, when she was filming The Wizard of Oz. She was apparently um, tossed around by the producers. Is um, I'm not going to say the word because I'm pretty sure I'll get taken down or it will be an explicit. Um, she was basically, you know, each producer had a private meeting with her and um, they talked it out. I'm not going to say the word. I'm not going to do it. Um, I just wanted to say that whatever happened there, she was not willing to do it. And her job was threatened. They said they would, could replace her and everything. This is roughly that um, it happened to her roughly about 20 to 30 times in the production of Wizard of Oz. And it is very, very sad uh, that that happened. Um, there was also some other stuff uh, behind the scenes. One of the main known things is asbestos. Now, asbestos is a very dangerous uh, thing that we have now. It was there at the time, and there was research on it being dangerous. It can, uh, with long exposure, can cause cancer and uh, other forms of it. Now, asbestos was used throughout the Wizard of Oz, actually. It was used on the broomstick that exploded for the stunt double. Uh, that was asbestos in there. That's actually why it exploded, was because the fire and the smoke mixed with the asbestos and caused an explosion. I actually looked into the chemistry for it. I even asked my chemistry teacher, is this possible? And she said, yes, it's actually extremely dangerous. And um, another famous scene is when they're going to the Emerald Kingdom, they go pass through a flower field and white stuff falls from the sky and makes them sleepy. Now many people assume this is stuff like sugar or maybe like fake snow. This that's pure asbestos. That's right, the the very dangerous uh fungi that can cause cancer to a person was just being poured in pounds of it onto these actors. And um, luckily, there are no um, long-time effects. Um, none of them have really uh, died of um, cancer. But there was one dis- uh, one life-threatening thing that was actually caused by uh, Margaret Hamilton. And um, it's uh, sadly the actually copper paint. Um, she developed Alzheimer's late in her life. Which, for those you know, Alzheimer's is the inability to basically remember. You slowly lose your memories, don't recognize the ones you love. It's a ter- terrible thing to have. You basically just slowly forget everyone you know, everything that happened to you in your life, until you die. Terrible, extremely sad. She developed it because of the copper paint. It has been linked that copper, uh, uh, powdered copper, basically, can cause, can uh, when affected, can actually cause... Um, Alzheimer's. I'm reading this from the CDC's website that it can cause it. And um, it's very sad. She passed away. It's very sad. And um, I'm. Uh, it's very sad that she's gone and had to suffer through this for this movie. Many people um, wonder, um, was their suffering worth it? Was their suffering worth it to create the Wizard of Oz? 
I myself um, don't think it was worth it. Now, The Wizard of Oz is a great movie, uh, great, you know, movie. But knowing all this stuff that went through, it's hard to really see it as worth it. Maybe with Scarecrow and maybe with um, Lion, maybe you could say, you know, it's, you know, they just had some uncomfortability during there. There weren't, and the effects that they had afterwards weren't bad. You know, it's like maybe some, you know, weird dimples on your face and stuff like that. But um, with uh, Buddy Eason, uh, Buddy Eason sadly passed away a couple years after he was fired from The Wizard of Oz because he was um, basically suffocated through his own lugs in a hospital. And um, Jack Harley, the second Tin Man, um, is, I believe, uh, didn't have anything really wrong with the paint because they changed it. Margaret Hamilton had Alzheimer's, and of course, um, Judy Gardner, um, the lady who played Dorothy, died in 1969 in her hotel room. Um, you know, like I said, not worth it. I would actually, I'd like to hear from maybe you guys, if you guys want to um, maybe call in or anything, what your opinion is on whether this was worth it. Um, um, I am, uh, it's very sad hearing all of this. I know this is kind of a bummer episode. I'm really sorry. I just really wanted to discuss this stuff. I think it should be more out there, all the stuff that went on there, because it really makes you appreciate this movie more, knowing what all the cast and crew went through behind the scenes. And it, I, I watch, I'm going to watch this movie tonight, and I'm going to look at this and say, wow, they suffered a lot to make this movie. And I'm happy that this movie is loved by millions because of their suffering. That, that sounds wrong, what I mean, you know what I mean, is that I'm glad that their movie, this movie was not um, unrecognized for their suffering. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, remember, uh, follow, uh, follow us on wherever you listen, us, listen to us. Maybe, you know, leave a review if you want. Um, and uh, have a wonderful day, everyone. I'm sorry if I really bummed out your day. Um, just have an absolutely wonderful day. And I hope everyone's doing good. All right. Goodbye, everyone.